Hello and welcome once again to Bullet Points, the video game podcast all about shooting games. My name's Ed Smith, I'm joined as ever by Reed McCarter. Uh-huh, yeah, that's me. And Patrick Lindsay. Hello. And a special guest this week, he's a freelancer formerly of Killscreen. Please welcome Zach Budgore. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Hi everyone. Is everyone feeling good today? I yeah, I'm ecstatic. Reed's ecstatic, just... can anyone match that? In mood top trumps. I don't know, that's hard to beat. I just I just chomped down on some red herb. <laughs> nice, feeling nice. good. Way <laughs> Got your uh, your psycho stimulants. Yeah. That's right. You can see everything. <laughs> that guy must be fucking tripping balls throughout Resident Evil 7 um, which by the way is the game that we're discussing this week uh, by Capcom it came out a couple of months ago you play has he got a full name or is he just Ethan uh, Ethan he has a last name. something yeah like Hunter or something I don't yeah. know yeah it's something white and boring I might just call him Ethan Thomas like the guy from Condemned which this game riffs on shamelessly um, but you play Ethan who arrives at a rural dilapidated house in Louisiana to rescue his wife who has been missing for some years only to discover that she is being held captive by the Baker family a family uh, who, <laughs> that, has, that has been uh, variously mutated by a mysterious black mold which makes some of them invincible some of them fire bees out of their body and uh, actually, I think the the law suggests that the son isn't infected by it. He's just insane. But I, I whatever. We'll get into that. Um, so it's a horror game, first person perspective. Uh, you shoot monsters. You find items. You solve puzzles. You eventually rescue your darling wife. And there's a lot of unnecessary plot. Zach, as is tradition on this show, we usually throw first to our guest for an overall opinion. How did you rate Resident Evil Seven? Uh, I, I didn't. I mean, so I wrote the piece for the site, and uh, I sort of had to force myself to come up with anything I liked about it. I think I overstated how much I like the early stretch of the game, when it's just Ethan. Ethan Winters, by the way, is Thank our you. protagonist. Winters. Yep. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. See, I told you, white and white boring. as snow. Yep. Um, and there's this opening few hours where Ethan first you sort of crawl around this broken down Louisiana house in the swamp and there's like a bit of atmosphere um, I never was really scared or anything which is kind of what I was here for and then this guy Daddy who is the patriarch of the Baker clan shows up and he's just completely lost his shit and he's like screaming at you in this comedic accent and it sort of never gets any better than that which that tone is like this really specific weird thing where you're sort of trying to escape from him but also it's like he his delivery is funny the fact that he won't die is pretty funny and then once daddy sort of leaves the picture it i did not like the game at all so i started cool and i got really cold as it went along um before I throw to Patrick, I'm just going to jump in because, Zach, we share uh, an opinion there. I actually liked the game, though, up until the point that you dispatch Jack, a.k.a. Daddy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I thought it got significantly weaker from there because it is it is sort of funny and knowingly so in the opening few hours, um, but degenerates after the, the boss fight with Jack. Patrick, how about you? What do you think? 
So, this is kind of like two different games. There's the opening act, and then there's whatever the hell happens to it <laughs> after. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think Jack's initial kind of dispatchment is a pretty significant turning point. Um, I, because I'm a wimp, found the opening hour so actually really scary. Um, but then it immediately starts to lean on all of its resident evilisms and it was it was doing this experiment where they said let's try and make a game focused on atmosphere instead of on action and puzzles and that was great and then they're like ah no actually the atmosphere was we don't actually want to do that we want to make you run around and slice open boxes to look for green plants um Jesus. <laughs> and the uh like i don't know it it gets in its way a lot. The ending is... Like, the whole last act is one of the worst I've played <laughs> in a while. Um, I think I'm particularly offended because of how much potential they kind of teased in the game's opening hour and then just decided to completely do away with, which I think is criminal. Reed, uh, I'd be interested to hear not just your opinions, but also what do you think of some of the Resident Evil-isms that Patrick touched on? How do you think the game eventually uh, succumbs to its own I tropes. I mean, that's kind of what I was going to talk about anyway, about my opinion of this. Like, th this game seems a lot to me... <laughs> it's like it, it, within 10 hours or whatever, it's the equivalent of waking up on January 1st and saying, this is the new me. I'm going to go out for a run every morning. I'm going to you know, eat better. I'm going to do this and that. Like, start <laughs> tracking everything I spend. And then... You know, uh, by the end of the month, you're completely back to the same sack of shit you always were. Um, and in this game, I, you know, it's like what Patrick was saying too, and Zach said, and I think it's been talked about a lot. But it does start. Uh, it feels like you don't know what it's going to be, um, and you see these kind of nods to Resident Evil convention. The, you know, I. I think Zach put it in his article, like, Crow Key goes in Crow Door kind of thing. Like, it, it has that that feel to it at the, uh, that you're in, like, a giant puzzle box. Um, but then it... it which I, I think can, can be the part of Resident Evil that, that stays and continues on, but it gets into all the, the stuff that's tiring about a series that's gone on for, what, like, 20 years? 21. Know, 21 years old enough to drink in the states um mm -hmm. can we just pause for a second and say that um when you find out that your wife is not actually a missing person but is in fact like a black ops soldier <laughs> with i'm assuming umbrella corporation yeah i i yelled obscenities at my computer for like 30 seconds it's yeah that that last um you know as, as i'm sure we'll talk about a lot because i i think it does start to fall apart before that uh like Zach was saying too, but as soon as you leave the mansion and you head into this boat section, it's it's like the game is racing to uh, it. It's like it knows it's about to end and it tries to shovel in as much bullshit as it possibly can into what black time mold it is. actually, yeah, black mold. Um, just to clarify for listeners, uh, although I'm sure most of the people listening will have played the game, the black mold is what makes people go insane in Resident Evil 7. And one of my chief complaints, I've got no problem necessarily with 
well, I've got no problem whatsoever with you know magical contrivances and abstraction, but the game goes to such pain lengths to explain the black mold and talk about from where it comes, but at the same time, it's incredibly inconsistent. It seems to do different things to different people on different days of the week. You know, it makes Jack invincible. <laughs> it makes his wife capable of emitting insects. It makes someone else turn into this giant monster that you know literally fills a house, and. Uh, I it was just you know like the force in Star Wars is kind of used just to explain away any sort of sleight of hand that they need to use or uh, add them in Bioshock or augmentations in Deus Ex and yes it's I find that stuff incredibly tiresome I think is the word it's their universal like supernatural catch-all like yeah yeah I, I think your analogy to the force in star wars is a good one like well anything we can't explain oh the force but you don't even have to um, explain it that's that's the shame for me is i don't mind those things that, that that's one of the reasons that the opening hour of the game um was the best for me because none of this had been explained and it was just it was just happening and that's that was perfectly fine i was just rolling with it it, it was only when it kind of sinks into this insecurity of you know we've got to explain ourselves we've got to justify all these abstractions that it it becomes weaker i'd be happy for it to just do things and to not concern about why yeah um got losing something um i i think too it's a lack of faith in the player's intelligence too that mm. you, you kind of I, I think you have just enough contextual knowledge of, of what's likely happened in this house and to this family uh, mm -hmm. before you get to that boat section. And then the boat section where, uh, you know, you see those videotapes and you find all these notes and everything is just <clears throat> completely dissected, laid out for you. You know, the black mold was uh, came from this place, this is how it acts, this is what it does, you know, with like eight pages of notes of <laughs> like fake scientist research. Um, but like, I don't know, you can tell that because at a certain point you start to realize, oh yeah, there's this column of gross black shit, you know, and it's thicker in certain places, you know, where the the scary characters are hanging out and, and you just, you know these things and the game doesn't, I think, trust you to put two and two together. Um, I would take that one step further and say it doesn't trust the player's willingness to submit to suspending their disbelief in service of the genre. Um, yeah, that's part of it, to, to, to experience horror is to put yourself in a situation where you are at a loss of resources, of information, of safety, whatever. Um, and this game is terrified of ever making you feel like you're not in complete control, which is exactly the opposite of what it should have been doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Also, as a funny aside, um, I was playing this game with my girlfriend, and one thing she kept asking that they don't ever really explain is how the hell this, like, backwater hillbilly family has one of the most elaborately engineered, like, murder houses <laughs> mm. she's ever seen. Yeah, it's a um, beautiful house, too. They, they, was... touch up, they touch upon it by saying that the son, Lucas, has won awards for... Uh, for engineering. For engineering, yeah. yeah. But I, the, the, the plot is garbage right because no. the the family is at some point infected by this mold so it's not like their house was always like that right it's like mm. after they start losing it i thought then it becomes this place i mean i didn't 
full disclosure, I was not paying attention to the plot like that, but it did seem like at some point, because you get that flashback late in the game where, or not flashback, but sort of this like, I don't even weird know, lysergic, yeah, weird dream where daddy's like, oh, I'm sorry, we're actually good people, here's what's happening, save us. And so there's the implication that like they were just chilling there and then Umbrella tested this shit on them and they turned into a insane family, except Lucas, the son, who just seems crazy. And the daughter. Well, I think he's infected too because Lucas gets his hand cut off when you first meet him, and then it. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah, but he, he was has bad it at dinner when you see yeah. him later. But, but yeah. then I think there are notes and things that explicitly state that he's faking being insane in order to observe his family on behalf of Umbrella, to whom fuck he's secretly off. reporting. And the mm. other thing is that fuck yourself. The door. The, do- <laughs> the daughter Zoe lives in a caravan outside the house <laughs> and isn't infected but has been there the whole time <laughs> or she is, no sorry no 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 wait 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 she is infected, she is infected but it's She's done not, nothing to yeah. her whatsoever it's not affected her at all right. so you you can get infected by this stuff and turn into like Captain Spaulding from House of a Thousand Corpses or you can get infected by it and have nothing happen to you whatsoever or you yeah. can be around it and it not infect you and you get a hand cut off but it still grows back anyway so you know it's not the most rigidly continuity is not you know well a, a, yeah, there's going to be but that's, that's not a problem content. yeah there'll the be a few is, more memos that fill this out the, the thing right. is none of this would concern me whatsoever I'm not bothered about plot holes and goofs and anything like that if the game or whatever just rolls with them you know, I, I don't mind things not making yes, any sense. Exactly. It's fine if things don't make any sense. Whatever, it's abstraction, it's horror, it's meant to be, you know, off the wall. But the fact the game goes to such pain lengths, even so far as, as Zach said, giving you this kind of dreamlike explanation sequence with the father, the fact that it's kind of so determined to just, make you understand. Just in case you hadn't figured out that it's the mold that was making yeah, them evil. Yeah, it, it's so determined to make you understand and to be sort of <laughs> cogent, but at the same time is the total opposite of all of those things um, it, oh, it's really badly written it's written by the same guy who wrote Fear uh, oh really? that's alarming whose name I Wait, forget seriously? yeah I think so because all I that forget, like, I forget his all name. that bargain bin like J-horror shit they pull with the little girl is straight out of Fear yeah so did mm. he, was he like hey guys let's try this and they were like yeah this is great let me, let me just double check this uh, because I, I'm almost positive that it's it's the same writer as uh, Fear but oh my I god you're wrong. right yeah is it Richard oh, Richard Percy yeah also of Spec Ops The Line that's right he contributed to Spec Ops as well so I mean Fear is a is a really gibberish game hmm. also but I wasn't quite so you know uh well, the weakest parts in Fear, I think, are when it starts explaining things. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But Fear yeah. gives you just so much time to... Apart from when it's explaining things, Fear isn't really that concerned. Um, whereas Resident Evil 7 is is plot-heavy. Yeah. I sort of... The, the majority of this game, I think, is on this downward slope to just, like memo hell where it's just mm-hmm. like you're going you're going through these spaces and it's just like you shoot the same fucking enemy 
to get to the next memo, to get another piece of information you could already suss out because this is a Resident Evil game and they're about fucking bioweapons. Yeah, it takes such pains to, like, introduce you to this concept. Like, it's this revolutionary thing for the series. But, like, mm-hmm. of course that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I have a, a huge gripe with the whole goo monster thing. Um, so the only enemies that you fight who aren't the bakers are these, like, black goo monsters. Um, and they do this thing... You might call them goons. <laughs> yeah, you could. You could. They do this thing where if you've cleared an area out and you're kind of... Because there's a lot of backtracking because, yeah, Resident Evil, whatever. Um, and every time you go back through an area and it's been maybe five or ten minutes since you've done something, they'll just throw a couple goo monsters at you just to like, make sure that you're still awake, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's it serves no purpose. It's not scary. It's not tense. It's not difficult. It's just, it's just tedious and annoying. Right. And it's it's lazy ass design and it's again it's not trusting the game you're making and the atmosphere you're creating to be interesting and compelling on its own and again it's contradictory to the writing because I believe you find a memo where it says that there's a list of how many people they've captured and turned into goo monsters and it says like well we've got like 15 so far but obviously you kill you know so many so many um (laughs) But again, it's just ah, just. Well, didn't you read that memo and they, they clearly outlined the meiotic process by which goo monsters asexually? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there probably will be something like that. Like some joyless fuck who's read the Wesley Evil wikia will jump into the comments or something and say, "Well, actually, actually." But uh, it's just if they the, the first hour of that game is so kind of stripped down of all of this expository nonsense your wife has gone mental and she's hacking at you with a chainsaw and she cuts off your hand and then you're having this bizarre kind of slap fight in the garage over the steering wheel of a car and it's terrific because it's just this absurdist dial to 10 horror comedy that doesn't seem to give a shit about you know uh, cohesiveness which is brilliant and then it becomes a fucking story and ah that's when it goes. Not just a story, a video game story. A video story. game story. Yeah. But Resident Evil uh, 4 was a video game story, but it was it was well told. It also was it was consistent in its sort of design philosophy. Yeah. They they started and ended in the same point in terms of what you were doing as a player and what you were supposed to be focusing on, where this game shifts drastically mm-hmm. um, hour to hour even. But it's really interesting that the first couple hours I think the the way it shifts tone is something I really liked um, from I don't I don't know if I would I, I'm pretty easily scared I like horror a lot but I get scared easily because I think I buy into the stuff um, and uh, the first hour or so maybe it was just because people have been saying you know this game is terrifying you know it's it's, it's too much. I have to put it down after I play for half an hour because it's just far too much for me. Um, and I played that first you know, 45 minutes or an hour. And I was like pretty on edge, I think, just not knowing what was going to happen. Uh, and the way it shifts from that to pretty much as soon as you see the wife, uh, Mia, and she comes out and she chops off your hand and then starts running around with the chainsaw and turns into a deadite, is like, <laughs> all right, like, yeah, this is fucking hilarious. Like, this is... Uh, it, it kind of seemed like they they were taking these different parts of what Resident Evil is, 
Uh, people always say Resident Evil is scary. I don't think it's ever been... Maybe the most it's been is kind of eerie. Um, but it's mostly kind of funny. Uh, and, and the way that they sort of had their cake and ate it too with that first couple hours was so good. But then... Uh, I don't know. Maybe they also... Maybe it's just how they understand what Resident Evil is. You know, the parts that they think are essential that, that people need bioweapons and giant crab insect monsters and the fucking end when you're rescued by Chris Redfield it's like eat a dick oh hang on hang on whoa apparently it's now speculated that that isn't Chris Redfield and it's like a cliffhanger that he says his name is Redfield but it's actually not Chris Redfield that's very likely given the way the rest of the game is so careful to stay away from Resident Evil tropes that's probably a different guy named Redfield that's just totally not Chris at all it's it's just it, yeah it's like a douchey kind of you know so who was phone <laughs> moment at the end of the game <laughs> and a big kind of crash zoom question mark to that, you know the yeah that whole I think so the just to be clear at the end the grandma turns into that big monster basically she melts mm-hmm. because there mm-hmm. is that that whole waypoint article where they talk about how the grandma's scary because she never turns into anything but that's they they just that's, save that until the end, yeah. The verifiably right. she's, yeah, she's, she's very, not, very clearly turns into something. She's also yeah. not the grandma, she's the little girl that's caused yeah. it. Yeah. Who's rapidly yeah. aged. Um Yeah. Again to to to, <laughs> to blow the mind of everyone who's never watched <laughs> television or read a book <laughs> or seen a film. Um The ideal video game audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Am I gonna regret saying that? Like as soon as it was leaving my mouth, I was like, no, it's not a good thing to say. <laughs> it's not far wrong. I mean, but I, I think there is something in that. I think, you know, to be uh, surprised or infused by Resident Evil 7's dun-dun-dun, like, plot moments, like, you, you've got to have never experienced anything like it in your life, and that seems to me so or, improbable. Or just want it so bad to, yeah. to be more interesting than it is. You know, right. I think, too, there there is something to be said about if if you've just decided, you know, I love Resident Evil for whatever reason, and uh, as this game does its weird things, I'm gonna be right there with it. You know, I'm gonna let my mind be blown by not Chris Redfield showing up at the end, the umbrella logo, <laughs> yeah, surprise cameo, special <laughs> guest umbrella logo. Uh, I Sorry, think a Ed. lot of oh. a lot of critics also played it in VR which I think impressed people that may not have been impressed just playing it normally because of like, oh, I can look around corners and everything is going to come at me and it's so immersive, but I don't have a VR headset, so I was not privy to that experience. Yeah, and I think that could definitely make a big impact. Um, I don't know. That's actually kind of an interesting wrinkle, though. You know, well, had... Sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say one of the things I wanted to get into next was, you know, the, the, the minute-to-minute experience of playing Resident Evil 7. Um, I personally don't feel like it could be drastically improved by a VR headset. I don't think so either. Especially because everything that makes the opening so tense and so scary just completely fades away so quickly. Right. I, I think that first hour of not knowing what's going on, 
and and just being sort of disoriented and, and not knowing the layout of the house and the kind of tricks it's going to pull on you um you know just in like a, a really basic animal sense could be frightening mm. yeah um, you know because I, I think there are aspects of that opening that are effective when when you have no idea at all about what's happening mm. other than you know it's mm-hmm. a scary scary family in their dirty house um <laughs> And, oh. and I think you could, you know, it's it's the same thing of, like, play it and look as close at your TV as you can and wear headphones. Makes things scarier just because you're boxed off. I I think the opening does a terrific job of wrong-footing you in a lot of ways. You know, you you mm-hmm. find your wife, and that's, that's the first surprise, that you find her, and she's not someone you meet only at the end of the game. You find her early on, and then it wrong-foots you again by having her turn on you and then it wrong foots you again by having her cut off your hand and you're like shit you know is that me for the rest of the game with one hand and then it it flips it again with this like hilarious showdown with Jack and it is you know what's going to happen next which uh, it might not be scary in the traditional sense but it's at least unpredictable it's like a it's, it's the opposite I guess of feeling safe and comfortable within all of the game's systems which is I think you know implicit to good horror and then it becomes very systemic. It becomes very A to B. Patrick, you touched on this, I think, a lot in your article, that there's so much time mm-hmm. spent retreading through the house and through the various environments, solving puzzles and collecting items, that it becomes formulaic. And to be formulaic is certainly the opposite of good horror. It um, it does do, like... See, it does some interesting things that, if used differently or effectively, could be really good. Um, like, I like the first-person thing. I think that's actually a really nice sort of modernization of the old games with the fixed camera um, because they both are ways to control what the player sees rather than letting the player control what they see. Um, I also I like, at least in concept, the idea of like playing through those videotape segments as flashbacks as a way to sort of get tipped off to solving puzzles. I thought that was really clever, but they just lean on it and abuse it so heavily in the latter half that any sort of novelty is just gone. Yeah, I think the best use of that videotape thing is is in that when they put out that demo, and it's Mm. the thing where you're playing as the cameraman, you're you're in this place, Mm -hmm. and there's there's no way that you would uh, look underneath the fireplace, you know, at the, the inside top of the fireplace, and find a key right uh stuff like that like they they could have put like a glowing sparkly exclamation point there yeah um and then you know when you go down to that basement you're you're worried about what's going to be down there because some unseen thing killed the camera uh cameraman that was there Mm. uh and i think that is a great proof of concept of what they can do with that um i think it's really clever i think it's one of the best ideas that the game has um but like how off the mark does it become when you do that same puzzle sequence twice mm-hmm. in a row? Oh my god. Uh and just just things like that I think are and when they just sort of abandon the conceit inside one of that last one where you're in the boat and you're playing as Mia, uh, but you're watching the tape and you're playing inside of it. Um mm. and then right. it just tra- transfers over, I think, everything that you have inside the tape. You know, yeah. like <laughs> Like the tape has become real, and <laughs> it's just like they had this great idea, and then I don't know. There's so much about this game where it's just, it's like they had some really smart uh, new concepts, but they 
I don't, I don't know if they didn't feel confident enough to to be a new thing that they that they had to or I don't know maybe it just wasn't thought through well I, I was cautious when it was dubbed Resident Evil 7 you know I thought you know it would make more sense to just do a clean break and ditch or because mm-hmm. the Resident Evil is just I think I've used this analogy on this show before has, it, has anyone seen The World Is Not Enough the, the James no. Bond film <laughs> okay, the Halle Berry so, one no that's Dying of the no. Day that was, that was after World Is Not Enough Okay. World is not enough. Was this is nineteen ninety nine? Oh, I have seen that one. Yeah, yeah, with Robert Carlyle as the villain, and and mm-hmm. World is not enough is one of the worst Bond films because it's just so overburdened with the Bond lore and the Bond history and all trying to kind of tick off every single kind of Bondism as it goes, uh, and it, it makes it so stale. And fucking Resident Evil Seven because they inherited it as a sequel. It is, I think, Patrick, you said earlier on, it's just ticking through so many boxes. Even small things like, you know, we've got to have the green herb, we've got to have weapons that you can repair, we've got to have, you know, different types of ammo, uh, handgun, shotgun, grenade launcher, the usual sort of weapon staples. And if they just bend all of that stuff, like they do in the first hour, the first hour doesn't feel like a Resident Evil game, Mm -hmm. which is to its benefit. Right. Um, yeah, anyway, I've talked a lot. Zach, I mean, what, what do you think to this? I, in fact, I'm going to frame that question slightly differently. Zach, I mean, you you wrote in your article about the um, the very clear inspirations. Inspirations feels like too charitable a word. The way that the game copies <laughs> films. Um, do you think that the, the, the copying of films and the, the keeping things from previous Resident Evil games was really that damaging to this? I feel like they they sort of go from like we talked the Evil Dead references and like Texas Chainsaw references and the early going to the part where you're basically playing like something out of one of the Saw movies, which is the Saw movies were bad like ten years ago. It just feels really stale and out of date. That whole section that's sort of compounded by the fact that you're meant to exploit this videotape gimmick in like a really obvious way where it's like you just play through it and avoid what the dude did to get blown up which maybe maybe I just chanced on that solution and it's actually really clever but it just felt like really bland and it's I don't know the film stuff I think is not much like I had Reed and I were working this pitch about the game before it came out where it was like all these rural horror references and like getting really deep with it but like the final product I don't think evinces much no. literacy in that sense like whatever is there in the first hour two hours whatever we're calling like the good portion of this game quickly falls by the wayside and that entire boat sequence which I think I said in my article really feels like something of like one of those joyless fucking uh, Texas Chainsaw remakes uh, Friday the 13th that stuff from the 2000s that was just like the grayest, most flavorless shit imaginable. Where it's like, how did Freddy Krueger become a serial killer? <laughs> it's just two hours of them explaining that to you, and it's just dismal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think some of that stuff, too, like, uh, that that was something I was kind of curious about what they were going to do. Like what Zach was saying when we were talking before it came out about <clears throat> maybe 
doing something about kind of like rural horror and the the idea that this game is set very specifically in Louisiana in the American mm-hmm. South um, and how badly this game just squanders that and seems to have no care at all about what <laughs> I don't know about what the American South is other than it's a, there's swamps you know and uh, yeah and you live in a trailer outside your parents' house. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it's a hallmark, <laughs> well, I think, of it. Reed, um, you mentioned something to me that I hadn't noticed in the end credits of the game. The Bible. Yeah, so you, yeah, the camera sort of rolls over all of these items that are ostensibly in the Baker household. One of them is a Bible. Yeah, but why would you? Oh, sorry. Well, no, go on, please. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, but why? Why would you uh, talk about maybe uh, the? You know, Christian connection to the American South that could alienate people playing this game, right? Why <laughs> so they just drop about... a Bible. Yeah, but but no, we'll just have a fucking shot of a Bible with flies crawling all over it. Like, mm-hmm. come <laughs> well, on, again, it's, it's so unearned. It's using it's using all of these things that it, like it's seen done before, yeah. but it doesn't know how to use them. Yeah, it's like a so, it's like a girl talk song. You know, it's just fucking throw everything together that people <laughs> mm-hmm. have enjoyed in the past and then I, I don't know it's it's so sloppy and so lazy the you know what it does with uh, just lifting stuff from Texas Chainsaw to the point of even framing that dinner scene from like the exact perspective of the climax of that film the first right. one um, although I know everyone says that it has more in common with Texas Chainsaw 2 which I can't remember at all just in the fact that it's like goofy and not terrifying right okay <laughs> um, but but the way it, it takes this stuff and, and tries to say look at this family you know how, how did this family get this way uh, and, and you're sort of trapped there and you don't understand who they are and it seems like it gets that on a very surface level but it hopes that you've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre and that you will fill in the rest mm-hmm. um, to do the same with the Saw stuff and uh, you know the the Evil Dead stuff I think is actually probably the most inspired way to steal shit from other movies for the tone of this game but um, yeah I kind of lost my train of thought but I just think this game is just there's nothing wrong with with uh, showing your inspiration and, and maybe trying to make something new out of if this game was an extended riff on Texas Chainsaw um then sure, maybe you could do that. But you have to say something. You have to mm. do something of your own. You can't just say, I, I like this painting. This is going to be my painting, and then I'm going to explain how it was made at the end. Mm. And say that that's my artistic vision. It's just... I think that's it. it. This game doesn't have a reason to exist. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't make a point about anything. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just... It's so vacuous. Yeah. I, I think that's true and that's not even like you know maybe if you just like the rhythm of just playing this game and unlocking the doors and shooting the enemies and everything like that that to me seems like the only reason that <laughs> that you would <clears throat> care about this uh, you know knowing what the full thing is I think it is a game that is uh, unintelligent because there are so many moments in it where I, I remember there's a bit where the the mother of the family, Marguerite, throws you into this hole, and she's holding a lantern, and 
it's the setup for a boss fight, and it it seems like in any other game you'd have to shoot the lantern or something. You just shoot her. You just shoot her over and over again. And there's there's like lots of moments like that. For example, you know, it seems like you could be uh, sneaking around Jack, and there's a sort of sneaking system. But no, you just you just run away from him, and he goes away. And it's just it's it's so kind of blunt and just sort of there's such an absence of distinguishable moments apart from maybe two it's um i'm kind of curious what, uh, what your two moments are then well my two my two moments it's probably more than that i mean I, I like the bit where she cuts off your hand i like the fight in the garage yeah. and i i enjoyed uh the the sort of chainsaw sword fight with jack that's the should, that's one of the ones i was going to say I which is a, which is a real high point because they've they've put things into that scene that you don't get anywhere else in the game, and they really make it sing. But so much of the game is is using the same tools to do the same stuff, and you you think of Resident Evil Four, which is just like one terrific, isolated set piece after another. You're just doing a different thing every like ten minutes, a different thing, always with the same mechanics and guns, but. A different thing. You're riding a minecart. You're running away from this giant statue. You're, you know, etc., etc. Resident Evil Seven. It's just like blunt force solutions to every single problem. And yeah, it just the 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 absence of imagination in 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 every sense in this game is staggering. Yeah, seven out of ten. <laughs> Resident <laughs> Evil Seven out of ten. That's that's right. Um. You know, down to the characters. Lucas is the guy from fucking Saw. Jack is the, you know, Jason Voorhees. Marguerite is, I don't know, she's kind of she's like... She's the Blair Witch. That design yeah. of her sort of freakishly long limbs is exactly the same thing they use in that movie. Which is insane, because I don't think they could have seen that before making this game. Because they came mm. out sort of around the same time. But it, it dovetails with that perfectly. Mm. It, yeah, this game would be inspired by Blair Isn't Witch. Yeah, garbage ass movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that you mentioned sort of these, like the way that you everyone was talking up, like, oh god, you have to like hide from daddy and all this stuff, and you don't really hide from him. You just sort of uh, slide around him and go down the hallway or whatever. But there's that moment in the boat where you come out of the videotape, and to progress, you're meant to go get the fuse that in the videotape you put into like a door to open it mm -hmm. and so it's sort of like that's sort of like practically speaking the entire point of that videotape is to like show you where you put the fuse mm. but it's like this two hour ordeal of just lore dumps and awful machine guns yeah yes yeah. it's, it's such a kind of traipse the whole game but here's the thing right I I wonder whether this is a, a problem unique to Resident Evil 7 because I mean I, it's so long since I played for example Resident Evil 1 and 2 for the first time because I played those games when they came out so you know 21 or 19 years ago and I have played them so many times since that I breeze through them and I know where everything is so they feel like very they feel very well paced they, they, they don't it's not a traipse it's not a drag but I wonder if Resident Evil even as it began life was a drag in the same sense that Resident Evil 7 is. Ed, I'm going to take you one further and say I don't think this is even just a Resident Evil thing. I think this is a video game thing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there are certain design conventions that all games tend to stick to, um, and these design conventions directly fly in the face of things that are scary. Um, like character progression and like constantly becoming a more powerful character by finding new items and new weapons, for example. Or the idea that your objectives are, if not obvious, at least you can figure them out naturally and organically with the environment. Um, all of these things that when you put them together, it, it, again, it puts you in control, which is exactly the opposite of what horror should do. Horror should make you feel terrified all the time, which is why my favorite parts of this game were the parts that were almost kind of on rails. Um, and there are a lot of them, actually. And you can move and kind of react and stuff, but they're, they're essentially scripted sequences, which I liked because, you know, it's, it's very clear that you're not... In the, in the driver's seat, so you're kind of just having this stuff happen to you, mm -hmm. which is a very ungame-like thing to do. Um, well, I... Sorry, we're going. I was just going to say, I was, like, nodding along with you, Patrick, and then I thought of Alien Isolation, which I think does all of the stuff that you said does not work. And, mm. and somehow makes it work. Hmm. But, but I think it's, you know, it's... it's <clears throat> but I, I wonder if the, you know, answer to that is as simple as the alien in Alien Isolation is, you know, really strange and unpredictable mm -hmm. for six hours. And Th this is, this is. Yeah, I think Alien Isolation has a similar problem to Resident Evil Seven, which it, it, it falters at a kind of halfway point. Um, and I think it comes down to a really encompassing problem in games today, which is that in something which is by its nature based on rules and has to be winnable and. Mm -hmm. surmountable and comprehensible it's hard to sustain unpredictability and strangeness and wrong footing players because they have to be able to win or else it's quote not a game um, so I'm interested if anyone has any examples of not necessarily horror games but games that have felt genuinely constantly surprising, unnerving unpredictable um, etc and, and why you think they're able to achieve that Sonic Dreams Collection. <laughs> I think that's a great example. I don't. I don't even like that as much as you do, Ed. But I. I, I like it because it's. It's. Yeah, I think I've. I've said in the past. Yeah, that. That is a game where you're really sort of staring into the bottom of the well of just fucking <laughs> yeah. fecal internet discharge. Yeah. Um, and. It's yeah, terrifying because it, it, it's based on a true story. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's so kind of like errant and um, just, just constantly turns in awful and but still kind of recognizable directions. Um, I don't know. I, I, don't I mentioned this. I mentioned this on on bullet points, but uh, there's a game called Wit called Witch by uh, Mike Nl um, W H I C H, um, and it's really short. It's about ten or fifteen minutes, and there's never a stated objective. There's no, there's no dialogue, there's no lore dump, um, there's no tools, really. You just kind of wander around a house and things sort of happen to you, and because you don't really know why you're there or what you're doing, um, you can't really form a plan. And then the end is actually very surprising in a way that I think actually works for horror. Um, I won't spoil it, because you should go play it because it's free and will take you ten minutes. Yeah, Zach, if you've got any examples. Um... I mean, I'm just going to talk, I guess, about Haunting Ground, which is 
sort of the fourth game in the Clock Tower series, and it's sort of like one of the things it has in common with, say, Alien is that you're basically defenseless against these various characters who chase you around this like big gothic castle. But the game, each pursuer is sort of its own puzzle. Like they all want different things from you, and they all have their various strengths and weaknesses. But the spaces that you run through and the enemies that you're up against, they're never really. they're incomprehensible sort of like the castle itself makes no sense there's like these big mc escher staircases and these puzzles that are based on like arcane alchemy theories and just you have to craft your healing items by putting together elements and the whole game is just designed to like isolate and confuse you and part of that is just an inherited bizarreness of survival horror that i think the game just cranks to like the maximum I think Silent Hill does this, especially the first... I actually not played the third game, but I think it's similar. The first three games... It's good. Yeah, I I intend to play it, I think, before the end of the year. Um, I can only speak right now to the first two, but I think that they do a... Especially the second one does a terrific job of um, confounding you just by changing things behind your back so you'll leave a room and go back into it and it'll look different or or something will be there that wasn't there before. And that's sort of... Right. anti-video game design theory that a, a, a key that you need to progress be in a room that you've already checked and it wasn't there um, and things like that kind of, you know, just, just keep you on your toes in a way that I think is, is really conducive to quality horror Well it's also very difficult going into Silent Hill 2 to like game its systems for a specific mm. ending because they're so obscure and like they're like, what would James do as opposed to what would you do? So you're like looking at the picture, you're doing whatever that tallies up in the background to give you all these endings that you just sort of walk into and have no idea what you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a... Uh, um, sorry, Reed. No, 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 no. Go on, because I was going to say something about not Silent Hill 2. I was going to say... Well, actually, so was I. I was going to say it's, it's a trad example, I think, by now, but PT... Which I'm, I'm kind of yeah. loath to mention because it, you know it's a fucking advertisement, basically. But still, PT oh, has cares, these. Uh, mm, eh, yeah, yeah, no. Eh. I, I I kind of like that game a lot more now that it's you know that it's not an advertisement. <laughs> it's an advertisement <laughs> right. for nothing. Yeah, um, PT does a, a fantastic job of like just screaming "fuck you" in the face of conventional video game sense. The fact that you're walking through the same place over and over and over again, but it's different every time. The fact that it doesn't explain any of its kind of puzzle logic, if you can even call it logic, to you. <laughs> and just things like if you leave it on pause for too long, you you die. And yeah. Things like that. It, you know, that's a, a, a terrific sort of subversion, and and that again is key, I think, to good horror. Yeah, and I well, and PT works in that you know you can see everything. It, kind of has to no not even though you can't see everything it has to show you within half an hour you, you can sort of see most of it get an idea of what what's going on uh, but it does do the thing too of if you i don't think you could sustain that mm. uh, maybe you could you know maybe if you made essentially an entire house out of pt uh, yeah, where it took you six hours. See, yeah, well, that, that's layers of fear i i think i think really no. good horror kind of relies on brevity <laughs> It does, yeah. I think, yeah, I think horror struggles to be sustained over a long period of time, which is why, perhaps, you know, conventionally speaking, the sequels to horror films are worse than the originals. Paranormal Activity, for example. Yeah, I. My instinct is is to say I think you're right about that. 
Um, I I just think there's there's so much. It's like good drama and good comedy though too, right? Where you have to be so attentive to the pacing. You have to know exactly how much space you need to tell the story you're telling. I think, or mm. to convey the the thing you're trying to convey. Um, like, like to your your point from before. I guess just because I'm also just stuck on thinking about horror stuff right now because of everything we're talking about, about games that sort of continuously surprise you um, until they're until they're over. Um, Soma, I think, does that extraordinarily mm. well, where it, yes. yeah. it seems within the first two hours that you've kind of got the big surprises, you know, you've that you know everything that's happening, and I, I think it just shows they knew the story they were telling and they knew that it had a certain depth. I'm not saying depth in the gamey sense. I'm saying just um, they knew where the end point was. They knew how just sort of drastic they they wanted everything to feel by the time you get down to the bottom of the ocean. And, and you know, and, and they couple that with the, the terror of actually going deeper and deeper into the ocean and new things keep happening uh, that fit, that are natural, that unfold organically but i think that's a good example of a, of a game that knows its length it knows exactly how much it has to show you and to to tell you and mm-hmm. doesn't outstay its welcome but that's also yeah. i don't know that's a scary game but it's it's um it's scary in a way that's not i don't know it's it's not october at the movie theater scary or youtube <laughs> screaming into your microphone scary Mm-hmm. It's a, a soma stays with you. You know, I mean, that's a that's a game that you think about long after it's finished. Because that I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but that fucking ending of soma is is just fantastic. Why not? Um, we ruin everything for everybody that we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the implication at the end of soma is is horrifying, um, and that's definitely again like that. Is, I think the ultimate in unpredictable is the ending of soma. Um, that's what, yeah, that's sort of what I mean by how it just keeps showing you new new layers, new depths of of how fucked up the situation you're in is. Mm. And, and it um, applies... I, oh, sorry, Zach. Oh, it's a, I was just going to say, the ending of Soma, it's sort of... I'm not going to spoil it, but it works so well, I think, partly because you realize that you've been shown exactly what's going to happen multiple times throughout mm. the game, but you never it never really clicks with you that this was a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And that's actually also, I mean, when you look at it almost as a flip side to something like a Resident Evil, where, you know, the goal in Resident Evil, you always have a feeling that things are going to work out in, in some way for the better. Because that's video game logic is, right. is progression. You're going to triumph in some manner at the end. Um, and, and Soma, I think, is a pretty good example of, of subverting that, of saying, you know, you keep going, you keep solving these little puzzles and, and doing these things and thinking it's going to end better than I think it will. <laughs> it actually ends just about <laughs> as as terribly as it's pretty much told you for the first, you know, since since you first wake up after yeah. the prologue. It, it tells you how it's going to end, but you never think mm-hmm. it's actually going to be that bad. Yeah. So, so, Patrick, is Resident Evil 7 too big, too long to sustain horror? Oh God, yes. Mm. <laughs> um, that that combined with its like compulsive need to spell everything out for you, um, it just undoes itself. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think I think if that game ended, even if they ended it at the uh, <clears throat> moral choice that you have to make halfway through. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> that would have been fine. Yeah. So for for the benefit of our listeners at home, about well about two thirds of the way through, you are given a choice. You have one sort of antidote for this black mold and you can choose to either use it on your wife Mia or on Zoe um, I chose Zoe just to see what would happen spoilers nothing <laughs> happens um, it's com- it's completely irrelevant um, and even if like uh, and so in my ending Mia died and then at the end Ethan kind of flies off in the helicopter and is sad but apparently if you save Mia, he still just flies off in a helicopter in his Yeah, but Mia's on a stretcher. Um, right, that's the only difference. Yeah. Um, okay. But had, had they ended it there, if if the game, not just like mechanically, but also like its narrative, its point, uh, was tied to the Baker estate, I think it would have been much more cohesive and much stronger. Um, all the outside influence, the Umbrella Corporation stuff, the fucking Black Ops boat stuff uh-huh. um, <laughs> completely completely unnecessary to the point where I was confused at first um, just choose if, if if what is scary about your game is the setting which is fine um, just do that man just do that Yeah, I agree with you well I think the original Resident Evil loses a lot of its pacing and quality in general when it abandons the mansion and goes into the sort of guardhouse section I think the, but at least that goes back into the mansion they sort of go oh shit hang on we're in the wrong place <laughs> and they go back to the mansion this game yeah when, as soon as you leave the Baker household it, it it's just the sense I had you know you leave the Baker household and then you switch characters I was just like what the fuck am I doing you know what what yeah. the fuck is going on now you know I did I, I did Suspect because you know how in Resident Evil Four you you have that section where you play as Ashley and it's actually uh, it's it's different because you can't use weapons and you just kind of have to hide from monsters. Yeah. So I was ex- I was expecting that and then they completely turned that on its head like oh no you actually not only do you not have to hide we're gonna give you a fucking machine gun yeah. and like remote detonated like satchel charges and like really more more weapons than you ever could conceivably need and you're a soldier now yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah i actually yeah, yeah i would have respected that, that decision more if they went like whole hog on it and just like turned her into like the doom marine for that yeah. section or like a call of duty protagonist like she was just gunned down dudes left and right but instead mm-hmm. it's just the same thing um and I think they almost put themselves in a corner there too, because if you're going to have Ethan as your your main guy, who's going to rescue his wife, and then you want to change up the way it plays, you know, there's lots of great things about Resident Evil 4, but it sure does, you know, sort of just make Ashley this shrinking violet who is incapable of of doing much to help herself. And mm-hmm. I think if they did that again now, they would probably be raked over the coals. Uh, probably rightfully so, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking aloud about. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just yeah. thinking about Resident Evil. The thing about that sort of pointless choice that you have to make is that I don't think 
like you said, the setup for the game is basically that like five seconds of video at the start where Mia's like, "Don't come get me, Ethan," and you have no idea like who w- at what point did she go missing, like what the story is there. So I think if it had ended at that point, they would have had to do a lot more work to make that stick work that the rest of the game frankly doesn't like indicate that they were capable of but like if that was going to be their ending they probably would have built out their the Ethan and Mia relationship more which I don't know (laughs) yeah it could have though you know it could have been I think if I I was actually thinking for a second at the beginning that it was going to be sort of a domestic uh thing that it was going to be you know an underlying problem with their relationship that was yeah. why she left and, and but all of this kind of stuff but it doesn't i, I think that's yeah. <clears throat> i think that's too complicated for how it yeah. wants to portray a, a right. man and a husband and wife the game goes to great lengths to keep mia and ethan apart you know they're separated at the beginning and then when you take control of when you rescue her and she's with you it's not long before ethan is kidnapped and whisked away by the monsters <laughs> you know they don't get barely any screen time together because yeah. um yeah it would mean it would mean writing something basically <laughs> you, know, if, you know the the dialogue that is between them is so bizarre mm-hmm. um like when when you first find her so just for setup your your wife is dead she goes like on this she calls it a babysitting job which i guess is actually what it is um and dies and then three years later, you get an email from her that says, oh, I'm actually alive. So that's like the level of surreal that we're dealing with. So you find your way to this weird, creepy murder house in the weird, creepy murder basement. And you find your wife, and he just kind of walks over and is like, hey, let's go get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you haven't seen your wife in three years. You thought she was dead. And then she turns into a deadite and starts trying to hack you up with, like, pieces of wood and chainsaws and you're just kind of like hey no stop that Mia that's bad <laughs> like it the the like the individual interactions are so poorly written it's like they didn't stop to think about it at the, all the strangest thing for me was when Ethan has to crawl through a, a small gap in the wall and there are some millipedes right and he gets them on his hand and he goes oh fuck and like shakes them off um you know he reacts to that but when you first see mm-hmm. Mia lying on her cot behind this these bars he doesn't say anything you, you can walk up and like right there, there's your wife you've not seen her for three years you thought she was dead and it's just pure silence but millipedes get you going yeah there is sort of a just on a, like a technical level there's like an inconsistency in when ethan will say the line that's being subtitled and when it's just a subtitle mm-hmm. so like he'll go up to the wall and be like not this again or when he has to squeeze through or sometimes he just says something that's just text and it's not voiced so you don't really. It's also you, another Resident Evil thing, though, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is true. Like they, uh, in four and five, the ones I remember, they do do it that way. But it is a lot more jarring. Um, I mean, it's so much of what this game is. It's jarring the way that they try to be something new and different, and and then keep kind of just falling back on convention. Mm. It's jarring that you change characters. It's jarring that. The mold does all these different things. It is. It's just. It's just flailing. It's. It's so inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I. <laughs> it's funny. The first couple hours, we, I was playing this, and I was thinking, maybe this isn't for me at a certain point. But I, 
you know, there, there is stuff that I think is all right in this game. But the more you kind of open it up and you, you start looking at what it is, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's incredible, I think, how, how these kind of things that take so much time and have so many people working on them and, and cost so, so much money to make have these kind of just sort of basic problems with a lot of things. I don't I don't think that's incredible at all. I think that actually makes sense. I think <laughs> if you have such a big project with so many people working on it, any one person or any one team of people is only ever going to be looking at a small cross-section of the whole thing. Do you think there um, was just like so a dude who like had his own department of memo writing? <laughs> Yeah, they got they got like the the interns to do it because I guarantee you they did not they did not hire writers to write this game. Of course they did, but it's badly written. But it um, it is possible. I mean, there are there are games with the same budget and size and uh, you know spectacle as Resident Evil Seven that do feel consistent and do as much as they possibly can. I think feel made by one or a small amount of people. It can happen. Mm. My theory is that this game, its thesis was to be, we want to make a VR horror game because we think that'll be really cool. So they put the lion's share of the effort technically and also from a design perspective um, into engineering things hmm. that would be really unsettling to someone playing with a monitor strapped to their face. Hmm. Um, which is why people who have said, oh, I played it in VR and I couldn't get past the first 30 minutes, I believe that. Um, but if you remove that, there's nothing else holding it up, and it just kind of collapses. So their point wasn't even necessarily, I don't think, to make a good Resident Evil game like Resident Evil 4 is a good Resident Evil game. I said Resident Evil four times in that sentence. Um, I think their point was to try and, like, this is basically a a proof of concept for like the future of how we're going to scare you with horror and video games and I think it shows real hard but then there's the same compromise with saying you know if, if that's what this thing is and then also saying but you can play it not like that so the medium you know the presentation d does not matter that much to them I mm. suppose you know you, mm. you can't yeah, you, you can't make something and say it has to be experienced this way or, or it should be experienced this way, but hey, go ahead and do it this way too. Mm. Um, I think I to oh, your point, Patrick, sorry, it is worth pointing out that this started as a VR demo, that um, that kitchen that thing. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. yeah, the kitchen thing, which is sort of appended to the Resident Evil demo proper at the end where you see him sort of fall out of the chair and then... Um, those two characters but anyway yeah it starts as a VR demo which I think the game does feel more like a proof of concept in the way that sort of the demo felt like it was delivering on uh, the hype around PT which I think is a fair comparison just because of the there's that domestic setting and it's clearly trying to like uh, ride that wave the demo specifically not the game itself mm-hmm mm -hmm. Well, well, go on. Sorry, Reed. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, you talk about all these things. And you talk about what could have been, and the way that you can sort of see things, like Zach saying about started with the uh, VR kitchen thing, and then you have that sort of beginning hour demo that they put out, and then you know 
know, it's sort of like a Frankenstein's monster of, like, like I guess a lot of big budget games come out uh, feeling like, where it's just sort of, you know, this game's supposed to be something new, but it's also supposed to be Resident Evil 7, and it's, yeah. you know, supposed to be this return to, uh, you know, real survival horror in a different format, but then it ends with you, you know, I guess there's always been grenade launchers and stuff, but, you know, it, it gives up on, I mean, it has machine guns with bazillion bullets at the end, and it's just sort of this weird hodgepodge that I think is really typical of, of big budget games. Yeah. Yeah. Your dog agrees. Well, I was going to say we're we're over we're over an hour now, so that that was the bark to signal that we are at time. <laughs> the the resident bullet points dog, the referee, the woofery. So sorry. The roughery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's Resident Evil Seven. Um, it's certainly a game available on the PlayStation Four. <laughs> And Xbox One and PC. Um, has anyone got any closing remarks about Resident Evil Seven? I think that this could have been a much better game had they had more conviction, and I think that's the most disappointing. I- I'm not. I'm not mad at Resident Evil Seven. I'm just disappointed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and that hurts worst of worst of anything you could have said. My closing <laughs> remark is that the point when you're going up that ladder. And then Daddy grabs you by the hand and says, "Hey, check this out!" and fucking shoots himself in the head. Is <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a video game. Um, and if this entire game had had that kind of tone and momentum to it, it would have been—I don't know, man. There was like half a second where I was like, "Are we getting Evil Dead 2, the video game?" And I was <laughs> really excited. And then, you know, an hour later, I was thinking, "No, we're." <laughs> world is not good enough for that to happen but but there is a world out there where resident evil you know not eight resident evil actual starting over again could be just the most beautiful horror comedy and i would love that anyone else anything else um i guess (laughs) there's like there's two directions you could go when you make a game about like looking for your missing wife that would be like Silent Hill 2 and Resident Evil 7. So. And Resident Evil 7 is real good. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's, it's the better one, definitely. <laughs> uh, I I would say that. Oh god, what would I say? I don't want to say really. Apart from Resident Evil 7, needs to either end. Uh, Resident Evil, sorry, needs to either end or just just start over, because. Uh, it's become the world is not enough. Ed, because you're the <laughs> the foremost Resident Evil expert, uh, what's what are the top three Resident Evil games that people can play? I instead of this, think one? the first one, the very original from 1996, is is the best. Okay. Um, because that game, without spelling it out and without saying that this is what it is going to be, is hilarious and and knowingly so. It, it I'm I'm kind of bored now of people laughing at you know the the live action opening cutscene as if they didn't know that it was ridiculous of course they did the whole game is is just I, i've said this before in writing i think it's like one of those porn parody movies but nobody's having sex um <laughs> it's you know k 
campy and cheap and pulp and just total like exploitative trash but with you know a pure grin on its face which I think Resident Evil 7 loses after an hour so I'd say the first one the second one is good because of how much it rests on one environment for the majority of the game so you, you don't have uh, again another problem Resident Evil 7 seems to have where it just loses track of itself Resident Evil 2 kind of picks its stomping ground and stays there and then 4 is you know probably one of the best action games in the world because it just it it does so many things it's it's so consistently imaginative that yeah so so one one two and four are the the resident evil games to go and play okay cool well, veronica, veronica's got a really good villain veronica's got a really funny villain i haven't played um, that one i played 20, uh, 20 minutes of it it's too long. It's it's really long, and it, it, it drags and drags and drags. But it's got a. It's, whoa! <laughs> Someone disagrees with me. Okay, it's really good. It doesn't drag at all. Um, yeah, but yeah. One, one two, and four. Three is blech. Five is garbage. Six is garbage. <laughs> Five is really racist. Five is like dramatically racist. racist. Garbage, yeah. It's so racist. Yeah, well, a racist game. How racist is it? Yeah, it's super duper racist. Max. Their answer to Oh, isn't this a bit wrong that you're playing this muscular American white guy shooting these poor black Africans? Is to drop in some like vaguely Chinese and Mexican-looking people among the crowd also, so you're killing people of all races apart from white. I walked away from that game the moment you walk into like an African tribal village, yep. and you get attacked by natives wearing like loincloths and grass skirts throwing spears at you and I was like nope yep. I am 3000% done <laughs> yeah. with this that, yeah that game really is the equivalent of I was playing it with a friend years after it came out you know getting drunk and playing that is really fun in co-op and it's like hanging out with a buddy who it's like kind of in poor taste and you're like oh yeah you know laughing along and he just says something that just like stops you dead in your tracks and you're like yeah. fucking never mind <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> it's time to go. I think that's that game's entire thing. I think you can well, stick is... up for, you can stick up for little parts yeah. of it, and then it just whoa. There's a scene early in Resident Evil Five where this blonde, white, English-speaking, good-looking young woman is like dragged, kicking and screaming into this shack by these <laughs> black monsters, good. and you know, good infected work. by them and then like become savage like they are and that is i finished the game but fucking hell fire what hey you a... know what you know what i think resident evil 7 is actually good then yeah <laughs> yeah i think you just got to put it in comparison although, i think this game's all right although and i i think we should drop this into the the reading list below this episode jed Prescrow did a a, a fantastic yeah. article about the Sort of demonization of rural Americans by this yeah. game, um, which I, I think is is something that we we probably ought to have touched upon. But yeah, do read that article. We'll uh, put it into the. Zach, uh, does Florida count as the South? Yeah, I feel like it's it's always like seen as outside of of what you talk about when you talk about the American South. Yeah, I'm not sure why that is, but it definitely counts. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever been, like, the North Florida, holy crap. Yeah, if you're sort of outside any urban center, you know where you are. Okay. <laughs> we should have we should have asked Zach then how he felt about the treatment of the American Southern people. Well, <laughs> Zach, we've still got a moment. Any thoughts on that? 
Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is a no. I mean, it is sort of like it's just like a, a Hollywood back lot that you walk onto, and there's like this quote unquote Louisiana house. Yeah, and that's where you are for the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. should have had Spoon. someone playing banjo when you uh, got onto the front step of the mansion. It is like that game is like a banjo away from <laughs> just like yeah, spooky southern house. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all right. Well, that's Resident Evil Seven. Um. But by all means, try it. I, you know, I think the only game that we've ever said for God's sake don't play is Battlefield Hardline. Uh, Resident Evil Seven is is worth a look, if nothing else. Uh. So. Yeah. How do we usually end? My, my, it's midnight here, and my, my brain's gone to mush. I feel like I've been well, drinking paint thinner. I've completely lost it. Um, this is Bullet Points. <laughs> you, can, you can go to our sister website, bulletpointsmonthly.com, where we have written articles from Zach, Patrick, Reed, and myself about Resident Evil 7. Um, you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash bulletpoints. We need your money, or else this will just stop happening and you won't get it anymore. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Most Sincerely Ed. Reed, where can we find you and your various writings? You can find me at Reed McCarter, and then I will pa- post things over it. You will. Mm-hmm. Patrick? Uh, I am on Twitter at Han Freakin' Solo, if you feel so inclined. And Zach? Um, I am also on Twitter at Hastapura. It's in my bio on the article. Super duper. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes. No one yeah, thanks. No one's gonna spell has to pure. No. <laughs> okay, well that's us. Uh, I think next time we're doing Hotline Miami, which is a really great game, isn't it, Patrick? <laughs> you know what, Ed? <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> okay, well stay tuned for that lively discussion. Uh, and once again, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. <laughs>